Good morning. It's good to see you guys in person, to see your actual mouths. That's really great. It's good to have all of you joining us over at Third Space and in different homes and places around our city and state. It's good to have everybody together for this moment. Um, I was not going to tell any uh, dad jokes, but since the gauntlet has been thrown down, I will just ask you, do you know who the smallest man in the Bible was? It's not Zacchaeus, uh, and it's also not Nehemiah. It's actually a guy called Bildad the Shuhite. And in between the services, Dave Hewitt emailed me, and he said, no, no, Thomas, that he's, Bildad the Shuhite is the smallest person in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, the smallest person is the jailer who fell asleep on his watch. Now, if you want, I can keep going. I got 25 years of these, or we can get into God's Word. We'll get into God's Word. We're going to be in uh, Genesis chapter 6 today, and we're actually going to really dial in on just one phrase from this passage. And to get there, I need to kind of tell you a story and weave that together to get us to that point so we have some context for what we're talking about today. But I used to have a saying, if you want to learn about yourself, get married. And if you want to learn about God, have kids. And now that Jessica and I are beginning our third decade of parenting, I'm going to add something to that phrase. If you want to learn about yourself, get married. If you want to learn about God, have kids. If you want to learn about grief, have kids for a long time. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, over these last few weeks and next week, we are just sharing some scriptures that have shaped us, that are shaping us. And one area that God has been using scripture to shape me in over the last few years is in the area of grief. Now, as a pastor, I've been ministering to people that are in grief. I've presided over hundreds of funerals, sat with weeping families in my office, uh, been at the bedside of people in pain. And I've listened to the pain of other people, and I've always tried to comfort them with God's words. But there's a saying you may have heard, always the teacher, never the taught. And I realized a few years ago, I've never really dealt with grief in my life. But if we believe the core spiritual principle of spiritual formation, that God doesn't just want us to follow Jesus, but he wants us to be formed by Jesus, he wants Jesus formed in us, then we have to expose our hearts to the Jesus that's described by Isaiah as this, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. If Jesus is forming in us and Jesus is a man acquainted with grief, then part of his forming in us involves grief. So what does this all have to do with Father's Day? Well, first of all, my proudest joy in life really is that I am a father. Here's a picture of our family. Uh, You will notice in this picture that our dog, Maple, is sitting on the throne in the middle as we are all enshrined around her. I have a daughter, Clara, there who is walking a path of joyful purpose. She is truly stepping into her greatness. I have a son, Bo, the the tall one there in the blue, who is a warrior, overcoming every obstacle put in his path. He is a tall, young man moving forward. I have a son, Henry, with the hat on there who is setting his face towards his future. He leads himself to excel at everything he does. 
And I have a son, Gus, there on, on the far right who is full of laughter and hard work. He is surrounded by friends who are drawn into his orbit. So when I say, if you want to learn about God, have kids, I mean it. From the first moment I saw each of them, I sensed that unmerited favor and love that God has towards us. And like God, I loved them before they were born. And seeing them become the people they're going to be fills me with a pride that I know God must feel when he looks at us. Yet while we often talk about the joys of fathering, I want to walk you through an aspect of grief in fathering from a verse that's going to knit our hearts to God's, I think, in a very unexpected way. Now, as we're talking about grief, in his, in his weighty words about grief, the Irish poet John O'Donohue says this, Your heart has grown heavy with loss, and though this loss has wounded others too, no one knows what has been taken from you when the silence of absence deepens. No one knows what has been taken from you. When I read that line, I decided right then and there that whenever I'm comforting somebody, I am never again going to say, I know how you feel. I may have had a similar experience, and I'm thinking if I say I know how you feel, then, then, then that will help you, but I don't know what's been taken from that person. And when I say I know how you feel, I might actually be diminishing their experience. And that's because grief is isolating, because no one knows what's been taken from you. It's almost like there's a, a room in your heart that no one else can see into, and you could be in a crowd of people and a crowd of caring people, and yet no one's in that room with you, and you're alone, because no one knows. But according to the word, there is one person who does know what has been taken, the man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And so the man of sorrows can actually be invited into that room with you, and you and he can sit together in that room of grief. Now, I share this big concept to start dialing in to set the stage for the scripture that we're going to look at today. But let me explain how it's shaping me first. So I've kept journals since I was about 17 years old. And uh, in 2018, I was like, gosh, I've got like 30 years of journals. I should review these. And I started reviewing them, and then I got to a point uh, on my sabbatical where I got down to the last 10 years of my life. And I thought, you know, I'm going to go to this cabin in Buena Vista, and I'm going to spend the weekend by myself. I'm going to read through these journals and kind of catch up and be done. And I discovered something. So my journals are like a hodgepodge of to-do lists and prayers and sermon ideas and Bible studies and devotionals and meeting notes and all this kind of stuff. But as I looked over the things I had been praying about for the last 10 years, I noticed two things. First, most of my prayers were less about my family and more about my work in the church. Uh, things I was asking God to do or take us or whatever. The second thing was the, the, my prayers about my kids were really prayers about me. God, help me be a good father. God, give me patience with my kids. God, show Jessica and I how to discipline them. God, help me make right decisions. And I was thinking about that, and right in the middle when all this was happening, a photograph fell out of one of my journals, and it was this photograph. My father is in this photo. Can you pick him out? He is the guy on the far right with the way too short shorts. They're uncomfortably short shorts. 
This photo was taken in May 1969. My father is nine months away from hearing the words, you're going to be a father. He's 18 months away from looking upon his firstborn son. Over the next few decades from this photo, he would experience his own journey of fathering, a path that included divorce and moving away and not getting to be around kids during the first seasons of their lives. While I was looking at that photo that had just fallen, the rain outside the cabin began to fall, and I was in the room of grief. You see, when your kids begin to start leaving home, all of a sudden you're realizing, wait, what did we do? Did we do it right? You're evaluating and reevaluating, good and bad. And so in that moment, I was grieving over my own parenting, and I was looking at a photograph of the father who wasn't very involved in my life during the same time period that I had been just praying and reading about, and all of a sudden, I just voiced these words. I am grieving the father I never had and the father I haven't been. These words were like this cocktail of regret and loss and guilt and anger and failure. And I, I, I longed to dive back into these journals and to, to reach out to younger me and to warn him, to redirect him. But I, I couldn't go back and wasn't really sure where to go. But then the man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, reminded me of a passage of scripture in Genesis that I've never understood. And it's found in Genesis 6. Genesis 6, God's children are growing up. They're no longer the innocents that they were way back in the garden. They, it's like they were teenagers beginning that painful transition into adulthood. They're starting to leave home. And God is looking down on creation, and he's seeing the choices his kids are making. And he's seeing the pain they're causing each other. And he saw the hearts that were hard towards him and hard towards each other. God the Father saw all of this, and then the most shocking words to me in Scripture come out of his heart. Verse 6. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. God regretted. God grieved. He grieved to his heart. Now, I believe in a God that does not make mistakes. I believe in a God who knows all and sees all. He is perfect And yet we're seeing a God open up his heart and name his feelings. And I cannot imagine the pain in God's heart that led him to something as awful as a worldwide destructive flood that happens right after these words. A flood that's birthed not just out of wrath, but out of the aching father heart. And I got to tell you, I still to this day, I don't really understand the flood. I don't understand that. I don't understand the why and the how of it all. But what's shaping me is the heart of God that he shared with us. He didn't even have to. And for the first time of my life, sitting in that cabin, as I was thinking about these words, I think I began to understand maybe what these words mean. I don't think God is saying here, I've made a mistake when I became a dad. I don't think he's saying, I wish I could go back and do something different. I I wish I didn't have kids. I wish I could get a DeLorean and go back in time and, and change it all. I think God is simply saying, being a father hurts. And the all powerful divine, whose words 
spin out universes, whose words destroy planets, whose power resurrects from the dead, just opened his heart up to his kids in an unbelievably raw way. And with those words, God just sat with me in the cabin and we grieved together. Now, what is the grief of fathering? Sometimes it's seeing the choices your kids make. Sometimes it's seeing the choices other people make that affect your kids. Sometimes it's aching over the twists and turns of life that are out of control. Sometimes I think the grief of fathering is found in the lyrics of a, one of my favorite songs by Andy Gullihorn, which I will read to you and not sing to you as your Father's Day gift. Maybe it's wrong to expect of my son more than I did of myself. But when I point to your eye with a plank in my own, I swear I'm just trying to help. I know my words don't reflect how I've lived, but you are my chance to start over again. How often have I vowed to avoid the missteps of my father and stepfather and to start over again, only to find that not only did I repeat their exact mistakes, but I created brand new ones they had never even thought of. Now, I've taken that ver this verse, Genesis 6-6, in, uh, Galatian, uh, in uh, uh, Genesis. Over the last few years, I've tried to unpack this verse with older men, older fathers. And the unanimous message I've gotten is, yes, there is grief in fathering, and it never goes away. Now, at first, this discouraged me, because I was like, no, no, no. I, I want to know that there's a point that you get over it and you move on. And then I remembered that the scripture says that Jesus is a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. It doesn't say he used to be this person. It doesn't say that he went through some counseling or some therapy or he prayed a prayer and all his grief is in the past. He is acquainted with grief. So maybe getting over the grief is never the goal. Maybe grief is a tool God can use to form us in Christ. Maybe there is a work of grief that God can do in us and through us. The work of grief. Genesis 6-6 has opened the door for me to see how Jesus wants to shape me through the work of grief and especially kind of the, the role of fathering. And so what I wanted to kind of offer you this morning are, there, there are kind of two shifts I'm making now as I'm entering our, my third decade of parenting that might be helpful to some of you that have already maybe parented that way or maybe you are beginning your journey. Just two shifts that I think might be helpful to keep in mind as you reflect on that. Here is the first. I am shifting from our story to their story. See, God and pastors have something in common. We like to tell stories about our kids. And for the last 20 years, my kids have been an unending resource and supply of illustrations. Whether it was talking about the time one of my kids ate dog food or the fighting in the backseat of the car or them saying something hilarious. It was just this uh, well to draw from again and again. But I've come to realize that when I would talk about my failures as a father, unintentionally sometimes it was a message to my kids that I felt like a failure because of them. They're hearing this, hearing it. As if their mistakes were my failures. And what I was doing was making their story my story. It was about me. And, and looking back, I, I regret some stories and illustrations I told from this spot. I see now that I thought I was telling my story, but in some of those times, it wasn't my story to share. 
As our kids get older, we begin to shift and see, you know, their story is not our story. We play a part in their story, but that's it. It's like, remember when the prodigal son's story, when he left home, the father had to stand on the side, on the road, outside his home and simply wait. And this son had a story to live. He had a life to experience with wine, women, and even pigs. The story was not a referendum on the father's parenting. It wasn't about his story. It was the son exploring the story of his life. So even if your kids are younger, I want to encourage you to begin seeing that they have their own story, their own unique journey through this world filled with wonder and heartache and faith and faithlessness and love and loss, and you can't control it. So my prayer in this shift has started to be this. God, what is my part in their story? When do I step in? When do I step back? When do I speak up? When am I silent? I I know that we have a heart to protect our kids, but the goal always has been preparing them, moving them towards stepping out of our homes and into their own story, even as hard as that is to watch. I mean, think again about that father standing on the side of the road waiting for his son who was squandering his inheritance. That is a father acquainted with grief. And if you had never heard the prodigal son story before, and I was just telling it to you like it happened to my friend Joe or whatever, halfway through the story you stopped me. Whoa, 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 this guy's the worst dad ever. You're telling me he, he just let his son run into the city? and You're telling me he gave him his hair? Wait, you're, you're telling me he's funding all the bad stuff? He's just letting him do this? That is a horrible father. And that's the part that that father had to play in his son's story. What's the part that we play in their story. And then this, the other shift I, that I've been making in my parenting is this, to shift from our parenting to God's parenting. I was having a conversation with someone in this church and in the middle of working through some of this stuff over the last couple of years, and he said something that I had never considered before, and it hit me like a bolt of lightning. He said, God doesn't have grandchildren. And I was like, What? He says, God doesn't have grandchildren. He fathers everyone directly. And it struck me. What I had been doing with those prayers in my journal was acting, well, God is my father. I am their father, so I will ask God for the help, the knowledge, whatever to do for them. It all went through me, and so the weight of fathering rested fully on my shoulders, and God was there to kind of help me. But if God doesn't have grandchildren and he fathers everyone directly, that shifts something. It's almost as if God is standing next to me, across from my kids, and saying, we are fathering these kids together, you and I. We are yoked together as co-parents of this. And as I began to think about that, that weight started lifting off my shoulders and started to shift a little bit over to God. And I actually remember praying, well, God, why don't you carry it for a while? (laughs) And God's like, okay, I have been, but okay. God wants to carry the weight of parenting with you. The weight of the choices your kids make, the weight of choices that are made to your kids, the weight of your kids being sick or in pain or just being hurt by this whole awful world. And I know you want to help and you want to heal and you want to fix, and I just want to say one thing, and if you could just listen to this thing, and if you could do this and you could do this, and you can't do all you would want. And you can't control. But you are not alone in this. God the Father is carrying the weight too. It's not your burden to carry alone. 
So over the last years, I've been sitting with, at tables with my kids. I've, I've been sensing this new great peace. I still have an important part to play in their lives, but I'm not alone. My father is sitting next to me directly fathering them as well, and it's freeing for me to start seeing them as their own people. And I'm thinking about how do I coach and counsel them rather than how do I control them? And I'm having more freeing conversations because I don't have to fix things as much. I don't have to take this personally. It's almost like I'm having a conversation. This is kind of weird. It's almost like I'm having conversations with someone else's kid where I would be so non-judgmental and non-controlling because the kid's dad is sitting right here. He's the one who has to deal with it. My kids have a God who wants to be their father directly, who wants to pursue them personally. We can trust that. And as we've launched two kids from our home with two more to go, we are entering this new phase called parenting adult kids. No one told me about that. Many of you may think, well, my parenting ends when they leave the home, you know, okay, well, see you later. But no. But be encouraged, parenting adult children is exactly the kind of fathering that God has to do with all of us. God is fathering people who have free will who live in a fallen and dangerous world. And even though God could step in with power and stop stuff, he's chosen to often let things play out, to watch us hurt each other, to let us learn the hard way, to learn the lessons that only the pigs can teach. And he still holds the Genesis 6-6 grief in his heart. God gets what it's like to parent adult kids. So we can keep leaning into this as we get older. As we enter new phases of parenting, and I'm finding a new nearness to Christ as I'm learning to identify as a father with the father. A father who did not just grieve, but gave. Gave his one and only son in what must be unimaginable grief to watch his innocent son be crucified, and even, here it comes, to play his part and make the decision to turn away from his son in his greatest moment of need so that what could happen and what needed to happen would happen. No father will ever know the depths of grief of God the Father, but that is good news for us because that means we can take any grief in our hearts as parents to the Father and to Jesus Christ, a man acquainted with grief. So as I close, uh, fathers, I just want to say to you, no one prepares you for the heights of joy that you can have with your kids and seeing them become the unique creations that God put them on this planet to be. But also, no one really prepares you for the depths of grief. And so I just wanted to offer that to you today, the reality of it, and also where you can take it. There's a growing peace in my heart about my own kids. I, I did not do it all right. No one does it all right. But I have a stronger faith than ever in a father who loves my kids in ways I never could. So instead of trying to control everything, I'm just trying to have more conversations with the father. Father to father. Now, I don't know where you are with this today, with this landing on you. you. You may have some grief about your own father. Maybe there's a photograph in your mind that brings hurt. You may be grieving your own fathering, and now they're gone. What do you do? Some of you may not be a father, but maybe you're connecting to the grief of just loving someone deeply. 
Because whether we are fathers or whether we are parents or not, we can all connect with this interplay of deep love and deep, deep grief. So let me offer you two things as we pray. First, I, I offer to, for you to let God father you directly today. Put your faith in Christ and the man of sorrows and let that open a relationship with a father who wants to be your father directly. And second, I, I want to really encourage you to name your grief. And it may not be connected to anything here, but to name grief. You might, not, you might even need to voice the words, I am grieving the father I didn't have, or I'm grieving the father I haven't been. And instead of ignoring that, invite Jesus and others to sit in that room. When we name our grief, it gives us perspective to more clearly see the gratitude we have for getting to play a part, a part in loving our father's kids. So fathers, may today be a day to honor you. May it be a day also that you begin to unload some of the weight you've been carrying onto the father. And as we pray, I, I would like to offer this thought. What would it look like for me to talk more with God Father of Father. What would that look like? Will you pray with me? God, I know that any time I've ever shared uh, anything from your word about uh, the Father, the fathering of God, it always lands, um, it always resonates powerfully with people. We all have our stories connected to that word. God, I even know that for some people, their relationship with that word father is a wall between them and you. And yet, of all the titles that you could have chosen to ask us to call you, you said, when you pray, I want you to call me Father. So man of sorrows acquainted with grief, will you sit in the hearts of those who need some healing with the word Father? Man of sorrows acquainted with grief, will you sit in the hearts of of some of us who need healing from our own parenting and fathering and loving others. We welcome you in. And we know we can speak to you as a God who unbelievably opens up his heart to us and welcomes us in.